Father in heaven. First and foremost, it's such a wonderful privilege to be able to call you our Father. For we have, we have disrespected you altogether. And we thank you for this time of rejuvenation, for this time of healing, for this time of rebuke. We thank you for this time. Now, Father, I pray for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And I pray for this gift now in the name of Jesus. Amen. This afternoon's topic, or morning's topic, is family reunion. Let it rain. Family reunion. Let it rain. You have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to study this morning. Please pay close attention. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning at verse number 1. Notice here what the Bible says. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a what? Only one person's there? What has he provided himself? A king. So who's provided himself a king? God has. So God told Samuel, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to pick the king and select the king that I've already chosen and make sure you go with a horn that's full of oil. Now jump down to verse number six, please. The Bible goes on to say, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. What has God done? I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh where? On the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. In my mind, as I read these stories, I understand the thing that have been is that which what? Shall be. And that which is done is that which has been done. And there's how many new things under the sun? Is it possible then that God is looking and investigating now to see if there are any kings and queens that he could select as rulers over his people today? 
Is it possible that he's come to this campground, to these meetings, to look and see, is there anyone that he can use to finish the work in these last days? Neither has the Lord chosen this. I wonder what it was that Eliab had done that God has said, I cannot use Eliab to do the work. I wonder what it was that Shammah had done that God said, I cannot use Shammah. I cannot use any of the sons of Jesse. Where is David? Now, mind you, if you're looking at the story, jump down to verse number 12. And notice here what the Bible says in verse number 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. What? Now, again, we're studying together, so I'm going to need you to talk back to me a little bit. Based on what we read here. What is it that preceded David receiving the outpouring of God's spirit? What was it that he received? What, what happened? He was anointed with what? She was anointed with oil. And God said, I can use David. Now, if you pay attention to the story, where was David that he had to be called from? Where did he have to be called from? The fields. Did he get called from the city? David was taking care of sheep in a solitary place. He had an experience, a quiet experience with God. And called from the field, he comes and he sits before his father and he sits in the midst of his brethren. And God favors David in the midst of his brethren. Now, How many times has David been anointed so far? This is one time. Is that right? Go to 2 Samuel, please. 2 Samuel. Second Samuel, the second chapter. Second Samuel, the second chapter. And we're beginning at verse number two. Second Samuel, the second chapter, beginning at verse number two. Notice here what the Bible says. So David went up thither and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household. Every man with his what? Where are they going to? They're going to who? They're going to who? They're going to meet David. Every man with his household is going to where David is, and they're submitting themselves, their whole household, to David. Now watch. And they dwelt in the cities of Hebron, and the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of... Oh, who's anointing David here? The men of who? The men of Judah, the men of Judah with their families are now setting themselves under the rulership, under the leadership, under the anointing of David. Are you following the idea? How many times has David been anointed? Once by God via his servant, the prophet Samuel, and now by the brethren of Judah submitting themselves under David's kingship. But wait, there's still more. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Please note here what the Bible says. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. 2 Samuel 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, 
We are thy bone and thy what? So what they're saying is, David, your family, you are one of us. You don't need to be separate from us. We are going to now submit ourselves under your anointing, under your leadership. Notice what the Bible says. Also in the time past, when Saul was king over us, thou was he that led us out and brought us in, Israel. And the Lord said to thee, thou shalt feed my people, Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over who? How many times has David been anointed now? Three times. David has been anointed three times, once by Samuel, the representative of God, now by the people of Judah, submitting themselves under David's leadership because they appreciate the anointing that's on David. Third time now, the people of Israel see the power and the leadership and the influence that David has, and they say, David, please, you're bone of our bone, you're family, man. We want you to be ruler over us. We want the benefits of your kingship. Are you following the idea? Three times. I'll just put it on the screen so you can see it here. David's anointed three times, first by Samuel, second by the men of Judah, and lastly by the people of Israel, each one setting themselves under David's anointing to receive the benefits. Remember, I'm repeating things on purpose. To receive the benefits of David's rulership and his leadership. Well, let's go a little further. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 7 now. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God is speaking to David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we're going to begin at verse number 12. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse number 12. Please note here what the Bible says. And the Bible says, When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed. I'm going to write that word on the board. I will set up thy seed. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house. What's he gonna, what is he going to build? So the seed is going to build an house. He shall build an house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? So the kingdom that's going to come from David's seed is going to establish, be established and it's going to last forever. Watch this now. And I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established. How long? If we're following this principle, thing that have been is that which shall be, understand that this house, this home that's going to be established will never pass away. I wonder what principles are going to establish this kingdom. I wonder what seed this is that will establish a house that will never go away. Verse 16 again, and thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, keep this in mind. I don't want you to forget anything. Section one, this is what we just did. Watch what we just did. 
There are three anointings. Three anointings. David has been anointed three times. They had to they had to be a recognition and cooperation with David's rulership. In other words, they had to say, we appreciate you being king of us. Please, whatever you decide to do, whatever you decide to, 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 to command, we will set ourselves under your rulership. Now, I thought this was interesting. Do you know the power of a king back in the day? You know, when they measured a foot, it wasn't how we measure a foot today. The way they measured a foot back in the day, it was based on how big the king's foot was. Are you paying attention? When they measured a yard, they didn't measure it based on how we measure a yard today. They measured it based on how long the middle of the from the middle of the chest to the end of the, the king's arm. They measured it based on the measurements of the king himself. Are you following the idea? That's why when they selected Saul as their leader, Saul was the tallest. He was the strongest. Are you following the idea? So when they are setting themselves under David's rulership, they're saying, whatever you say to do, we submit ourselves under you because there's benefits to being under your leadership. Wait, there's more. David's kingdom is to last forever. Now, let's get to that last point. Revelation chapter three, please. Go to Revelation chapter three. Watch carefully what we're going to do here. Revelation chapter three and beginning at verse number seven. Revelation three. And beginning at verse number seven, please note here what the Bible says. Revelation three, verse seven, the Bible says, and the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of who? He that hath the key of who? He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man who? Now, based on what we understand about this passage, we know that this person who holds the keys of David is none other than who? Jesus. Jesus is the one that holds the key of David. And this key is a key that opens the door. Now, again, when I ask this basic question, it's only to emphasize the point. But when you go to your house, how many of you put your key in your foot to open the door? How many do that? Nobody does that, right? I, I don't want you to, I, nobody does that. I just want you to think with me. So right now, I'm going to make a safe assumption that the key is in his hand in Revelation chapter 3. All right? I'm going to make that safe assumption. Now I want you to go to Isaiah. Isaiah, the 22nd chapter. Isaiah 22, and we're going to begin at verse 21. Isaiah 22, and we're beginning at verse 21. Please note here what the Bible says. It says, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government into his what? So based on what we see here, the government is in the hand. Everybody following? I will commit his government into his hand and he shall be a father in the inhabitants of Jerusalem and in the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his what? Where's the key at? All right, so the key is on the shoulder. Wait a second, we're building something. The key is on his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall what? None shall open. Now keep, stay in Isaiah, go to Isaiah chapter 9 now. Isaiah chapter 9, looking at verse number 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Notice here what the Bible says. 
Isaiah 9, verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is what? Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his what? All right, so right now we have a government on the shoulder. I want you to think. We're thinking right now. The government's on his shoulder. And notice what else the Bible says. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting what? The Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of who? David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even for what? Forever. So right now we see that this kingdom that David's seed is going to possess is a kingdom that's going to last forever. He's going to be a father. He's going to have a house and this house will have peace in it. Are you following the idea? Now watch carefully. The key, in my humble opinion, is a key to a government. Listen to me. The key that's in the hand of David is a key to a government or a key to a kingdom that's going to last forever. You ever heard of the keys to the city? That's what it's talking about. So in Revelation, that door that's open and none shall shut, that door that he's opening that we are supposed to enter into is an everlasting kingdom. It's a house that's supposed to be established forever. In fact, let's go a little further. You understand the idea. Go to Daniel, the seventh chapter, please. Daniel, the seventh chapter, looking at verse 13. Daniel 7, and look at verse 13. Notice here what the Bible says. In Daniel 7, beginning at verse 13, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Everybody agrees. Everyone agrees. This is Jesus. One like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what Jesus is about to do. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. Watch carefully. That all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is what kind of dominion? Everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be what? So this key is a key to a kingdom. It gives you access to a home or a house that is to never be destroyed. It is an everlasting kingdom. Now you think about this because now you know, we study Daniel 8, 13, Daniel 8, 14. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be what? When I ask the Advent people, what does that mean? They tell me, well, it means that he's going to clean the sanctuary. Well, what does that mean he's cleaning the sanctuary? What's the purpose of the cleansing of the sanctuary? What is, he, what is he doing in that idea? Well, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for a cleansing. There's a reason for a purging. There's a reason for the removal of sin from God's house. Wait, there's more. So this simple idea is section one. We're going to go to section two now. Now, I want you to go to Deuteronomy 11. It's going to appear like we're talking about a completely separate topic, but it's not different at all. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and I want you to begin at verse 11. Deuteronomy 11 and verse 11. 
Notice here what the Bible says. The Bible says, but the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drink of water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his do what? Question, what is the condition for the reception of the rain in its due season? What's the condition? Watch it. It says, if you will hearken diligently. You hear that word? Now, let me express what that word diligently means. My father, I love him to death, one day went into the kitchen. I just finished washing the dishes, and it was time to partake of a meal. So he had gone into the drawer, and he pulled out a fork. And when he pulled out this fork, he began to examine it, and he saw that he could not eat food off of this particular fork. For somehow, some way, in my haste to finish washing the dishes, I had not diligently cleaned this particular fork. Listen to me. And so my dad called me into the kitchen and for 20 minutes explained how my life would be a complete wreck. He explained that if I didn't learn how to wash this fork, that my home would be a mess. He explained it for 20 minutes and I said, man, this brother is crazy. And then he proceeded to say, well, Andre, just so you understand, what I want you to do right now, I want you to take every dish out of the cabinet. I want you to take every piece of silverware out of the drawer, and I want you to wash everything over again. You guys say, whoa, that's hard. But I tell you what, from that point on, when I wash dishes, I hearken diligently. <laughs> Are you paying attention? I did not miss one detail. I made sure I held that glass up to the light. No spots on that glass. I made sure that in that fork there was no more crustacean. Everything was dry. Everything was clear. I hearkened diligently. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The condition for the outpouring of the rain was to hearken diligently unto the commandments. Then I will send rain in its due season. Are you following the idea? Let's go a little further. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 14, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the, and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send forth grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And why? Why is he telling us that? Look at verse number 17. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her what? Unless she perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord thy God giveth. Now watch. Again, we're studying. I want you to leave here thinking. Can a tree grow if there's no seed? So in order for a tree to grow, there must be first, there must be what? The first, first must be seed. So rain falls 
on the ground, gives whatever life that, that seed needs, sprouts come up. Is that right? A shoot comes up. No rain, no shoot. Are you following the idea? No moisture, no life. All right. Remember, I'm talking about rain, but I'm not talking about rain. Go to Hosea 6, please. Hosea, the sixth chapter. And remember the condition. Please remember the condition that I've laid before you. Hosea 6, beginning at verse 3. Please note here what the Bible says. Hosea 6 and verse 3. It says, then shall you know if you follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the what? Who's going to come unto us as the rain? The Lord's going to come unto us as the rain. He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Watch it now. If you hearken diligently unto the commandments, he will send rain. If you don't hearken diligently, there's no rain. Jesus is now saying, God is saying, rain is going to come, and I'm going to come as if I were myself the rain. Are you following the idea? He, he, Hosea 10, verse 12. Hosea 10 and verse 12. Watch carefully. Hosea 10, verse 12, the Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness... Reap in mercy, break up the follow, for it is time, for it is what? For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So now what's happened, again, I'm just going to write this on the board on this side. Rain has been equated to God coming as the rain, and now rain has been equated to righteousness. Watch carefully. Now I would like you to go to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah 10 and verse 1. Zechariah 10 and verse 1. Notice here what the Bible says. Zechariah 10 verse 1, it says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the what? In the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So he tells us, ask for rain in the time of it. So it could be possible. Now listen to me carefully. It could be possible that it's time for it to rain, but it not rain. Why will it not rain? Because we have not hearkened what? Diligently unto the commandments. So it's possible for it to rain or the time for it to be supposed to rain, but it not rain because we are being in rebellion. In fact, go to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Again, we're, this is still the same topic. Jeremiah 3, begin at verse number 2. Verse number 2. Jeremiah 3, beginning at verse number 2. Please note here what the Bible says. The Bible says... Lift up thine eyes into the high places and see where thou hast not been lined with. In the ways hast thou set with them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Now, what's the result of this? Therefore, the showers have been withholden, and there have been no what? There have been no latter rain, I wonder why, 
and thou hast a whore's forehead, and thou refusest to be what? Think about it. Go back in your mind. Where's this word ashamed? Where's that word first come up in Scripture? In the Garden of Eden. The man and the woman united together, naked but not ashamed. Naked but not ashamed. There was nothing in the relationship that had caused a disunion. Evidently, the people of Israel are married to God, but they have began to commit whoredom. Therefore, the family is separated. Are you listening to me? And when in their separation, they refuse to be ashamed of the way that they are behaving. You ever met anybody like that? I, I, I went call porter. I'm a, I'm a call porter from 13 years old. I've been call portering since I was 13. I took one, one gentleman out to canvas. Doing the work together. Listen to me. Doing the work together, knocking on doors, ministering the souls. We get to a, he gets to a particular house. I wasn't with him this day. He knocks on the door. Sees a beautiful woman. Listen to me. Sees a beautiful woman. The woman comes out. They begin to talk one with the other. He comes back to me. He says, Andre, and he's a grown man. I'm telling you, he's a grown man. Andre, I'm going um, to the store, and then I'm going to stop by one of the contacts. Listen to me. You're going to buy a stop one of the contacts? Okay, you're doing a call back. Okay, no problem. He comes to me later on when we were about to leave. He says, Andre, I, I, I think I found my wife. I said, well, brother, what, what do you mean you found your wife? He said, I think I found her. Well, I said, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Does she believe in the spirit of prophecy? Well, she, you know, she's a Christian. She's a nice lady. I said, no, I didn't ask you that, man. I said, does she believe in the spirit of prophecy? Well, no. I said, bro, that's a red flag. Walk away. Walk away. But he refused to listen. Fast forward three months later. Brother Andre. No, listen to me. This is real. Brother Andre. I messed up, man. I slept with her. You slept with her? You're not married? For three months. Pleaded with him, leave her alone. He refused. He said, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I, I, I'm old. Who, who's going to want me? I don't want to be alone. Listen, friends, listen to me. You're not alone if Jesus is with you. You're not alone if Jesus is with you. It's better to be alone with Jesus than in a house with a demon who abuses and beats you and lies to you. You understand what I'm saying? But the people of Israel are comfortable in their sin. They refuse to be ashamed. They are not, they are not, we know you're there, Lord. And we know we accept the Sabbath. But giving you everything? See, in America, it's kind of tricky. You see here, we had nice cars, nice houses, good education. Fashion is a slave, makes a slave of the most of us in this place. I can tell just by the way we dress in this place. In this place, slaves to fashion. It's tough in America. But at the same time, while we're serving fashion and we're serving our jobs and we're serving our education, we're still out of our mouths saying we love Jesus. It's a lie. We refuse to be ashamed. 
Therefore, there is no latter rain. None. We are separated from our husband. There is no latter rain. None. Now listen carefully. So we must hearken diligently unto the commandments if there's going to be rain. Now go to Joel chapter 2, please. I need to move quickly. Joel chapter 2, and I want you to begin reading at verse 23. Joel chapter 2, and begin at verse 23. Joel chapter 2, and beginning at verse 23, notice here what the Bible says. It says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain, how? Moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain, how? In the first month. Now, if you have a study Bible, there should be a little, little letter there that's next to former rain. That little letter there gives you in your margin a phrase that says, teacher of righteousness. Former rain, teacher of righteousness. There's another little number there next to that word moderately. In that margin there, that word moderately means according to righteousness. Now, with that understanding, let's read the passage one more time. It says, be glad, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the teacher of righteousness according to righteousness. And he will cause to come down for you the rain and the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So according to this verse, there's going to be a teacher of righteousness according to righteousness. Andre, what does this have to do with family? Listen. Listen carefully. So here the passage is highlighting there's a time when there's a teacher of righteousness according to righteousness. So let's just review section two very quickly. Section two, watch. Rain comes based on the condition. What's the condition? Harken how? All right, that's the condition. Rain helps things grow. And in order for things to grow, water must come down and give it its nutrients and its vitality. Number three, there is a time for rain. Now, I'm going to prove this point right here in a moment. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of righteousness according to righteousness. I'm going to prove that in a moment. But just keep this section in your mind. Keep this point in your mind as we go to our next point. Now, there are three offices in the Bible. How many offices? Three offices in the Bible that receive anointing. The first one is the office of a prophet. Notice what the Bible says in Luke the third chapter. Now, you, I gave you the other biblical reference there in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, to, to let you see biblically that the prophet is one of the persons that are anointed. But I want to show you how Jesus has fulfilled every one of these three roles. Watch carefully. Luke 3, verse 21, the Bible says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am what? Did this happen before Jesus began his ministry or after he began his ministry? Before. So before he begins his public ministry, he is anointed for the job. Listen to me carefully. How was it a lot of people that saw Jesus anointed or was it a group of people, uh, a small group of people that saw him anointed? 
It's a small group. It's a group, a small group. When David was anointed, how many times was David anointed? When he was anointed the first time, was it a large group or was it amongst his brethren? Small group. Watch carefully. Watch carefully. Jesus is anointed. I wonder what he's anointed for. I want to hold your hand here. I'm going to introduce this thought. I'm, re- I'm going back to this idea of seed for a moment because we're, we're learning. We're in class right now. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3 very quickly, please. Go back to Genesis 3. I want you to see something. I'm going to introduce another thought into this paradigm. I have not done this before when I presented this topic, so you just want to make sure you follow me, please. Genesis 3, verse 15. Watch carefully what the Bible says. And the Lord said unto him, Genesis 3, 3, 15, I'm sorry. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So thee in this passage is the serpent and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head and thou shall do what? Bruise his heel. So the serpent has a seed and the woman has a seed. Are you listening to me? The serpent has a seed and the woman has a seed. Now remember, Jesus is anointed. What is he anointed for? He's anointed to begin a ministerial work. In fact, I want to go a little further. Go to John, please. John, John, the 15th chapter. So Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. He's anointed to begin his prophetic work. Now go to John, John chapter 15, and look at verse 14. John 14, verse 15, I'm sorry, John 14, verse 15. Now you've been a good student thus far. Don't go to sleep yet. I'm going to read this one verse. When I read this one verse, you're going to understand something else is supposed to transpire right after it. Remember, if you hearken diligently unto the commandments, what's supposed to happen? Rain. Watch. If ye love me, keep my what? The next thing we should read about is rain. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another what? Sounds like rain to me. That he may abide with you how long? Forever. How long is God's kingdom supposed to last? So there's this rain that comes after someone has said they will hearken and keep God's commandments. Now watch carefully. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he will abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Now listen. For he dwelleth with you and shall be. What's the word shall be indicate? Past, present, and future. So he dwelleth with you presently and shall be future tense in you. Now, here's my question. Because can, we can talk about how to raise children. We can talk about husband and wife. We can talk about, let me just ask you this one question. Is the spirit of God with you or is he in you? There's a difference. Your whole life. God's spirit has been around us and moving us and wooing us and encouraging us. But there's a difference between the spirit around you and influencing you and the spirit being in you. That's the question. When you go home and you want your when you go home, you're going to be tested. 
Your wife's going to say something that you know normally gets on your nerves. I can't believe she's doing this right now. We just came from camp meeting. (laughs) When it happens, because it will, when you test it, what's in you? Because what's in you is going to come out of you. What's in you is going to come out. Your kindness is not going to all of a sudden appear. You need to have kindness within. It's not going to magically, oh, they said be happy at home now, so now we're just happy. The spirit must be in. In. So I ask you one more time. It's the spirit with you or it's the spirit in you? Well, I'm a, you're going to know. Listen. I'm not going to let you leave here guessing whether or not the Spirit of God is in you or around you. You're going to know one way or the other by the end of this sermon whether or not the Spirit of God is in you. You're going to know. There are clear biblical indications whether or not someone has God's Spirit within. But let's go a little further. I want to highlight this point before I go further. Look at this verse. Watch this. Jesus is talking. John 12, 23. Watch this. And Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I wonder what that means. Verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and what? It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth. Much what? So the seed bears fruit after it. Are you listening to me? The seed bears fruit after it dies, but the fruit doesn't come to its fruition until it rains. (laughs) Come on, man. All right. Let's go a little further. There's another anointing. That Jesus has to go through because how many times was David anointed? So there's two other anointings that we got to get to before I let you go home. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what the Bible says in Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1. Start at Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. Then we'll get to Acts chapter 2. Notice what the Bible says. And being assembled together, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days what? Not many days from now, not many days hence. And when they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou now restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the... So they're gathered together. God makes a promise. I promise I'm going to give you this. Make sure you stay in this house until the days be fulfilled. Don't go anywhere. When you receive the power, I want you to start in your homeland. That's what he says. Start in Jerusalem, then Judea. Now watch this. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Notice here what the Bible says. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all... 
with one accord in one place. Did you hear it? They were all with one accord in one place. I wonder what happens. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each of them, and they were all... They were all what? Well, remember, Jesus said, he's with you and shall be in you. Remember that? But now the shall be is, is reality. They are now filled. I wonder what it was. I, I, I wonder what it was that allowed for this to transpire. Go to Psalms 133. And watch this, friends. I'm telling you, this is sweet. This is sweet. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for who? For who? Brethren. That sounds like family. Doesn't that right? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. How? I wonder what it's like. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Tell me something. Tell me something. When David was anointed, what was he anointed with? Now here, Aaron. Who is Aaron? He's a high priest. This is the second office that's anointed. You have a prophet that's anointed, and then you have a high priest. He's anointed. And the high priest is here symbolized as one, as if he is, as brethren dwell together in unity, it is like oil. So much oil that it oozes off the face, off the clothes. You want to know when the Holy Spirit's upon your home? When there's no arguing. Huh? You want to know when the spirit of God's in your home? It's when the children and the mothers and the fathers are all united in oneness. Oneness. It is like oil. Now watch, it doesn't stop there. I love how the Bible, the Bible, the book of Psalms is so beautiful because it changes from oil and then transforms into water. Watch this. Verse 3 says, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of what? Zion. What's Zion? Zion in the Bible is what? Just Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a representation of the church. So it's symbolized here, as Aaron is anointed with oil, so as Aaron is anointed, the church also receives an anointing. Y'all not listening to me? So in Acts chapter 2, when you see the brethren all together in one place, in one accord, it is a direct connection with the work that Jesus has begun in heaven. And as he's anointed, his church below is anointed. Remember, the men of Judah came to David and said, David, we recognize your anointing. Please be ruler over us. We want the benefits of your kingship. I want you to hear me. We're, we're going somewhere right now. Go back to the book of Acts, please. Back to the book of Acts. Let's see whether or not, whether or not uh, the apostle who is preaching. And I love this because this is one of the few sermons that you know the Holy Ghost is on the preacher. I'm not talking about me preaching. I'm talking about Peter. 
Now watch. Look at verse 29. Look at verse 29. Watch this. In the middle of his sermon, watch what he says. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins. What's the fruit of his loins? That's the seed right here, the seed that of the fruit of his loins. According to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus have God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, watch carefully, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he have shed for this which ye now see and what? So he's saying, this is what Peter's saying, what you see demonstrated right now is not drunkenness. What you see right now is a direct correlation between Jesus taking his rightful place in heaven and his people connected with that anointing. The latter rain, then, as the early rain, is connected with what Christ is doing. And if the church does not submit itself under the kingship of Christ, they will never receive the latter rain. The church, the family, our homes, our households, Niaja, Alpha, let's go to the most holy place. Jesus is in the process of finishing a work, and I want to be there when he pours out that oil. Are you paying attention? But the only way that will happen is if my family is united in one. You see, as my family is united in one, God says, I recognize the fact by the outpouring of my spirit. As long as our families are disconnected and not united, as long as I'm antagonistic to that. You know that woman right there? You see that woman? Look at her. Sweetie, raise your hand so they know who you are. That's my baby. Listen, a good wife is from who? Did you know? Did you know? The the book of Proverbs says, a man that findeth a good wife findeth favor of the Lord. Did you know that? Now watch. This same thought in the book of Proverbs says, a man that goes before the king and receives favor, it is like the latter rain. My wife to me, as we've joined together, has now been able to give me what we call the latter rain. She is a latter rain to me. There's this union that's there. Why is it talk about a little heaven on earth? How can two people who are completely different get along? Do you know where my wife come from? Listen to her testimony. Ex-gangster. Top seat out there in Chicago. And me, little, hum- little Adventist boy, born in a pew. <laughs> How are the two who are completely different able to be one? How is it that a church... And listen to me, I I don't know how I'm going to say this properly, but how is it that a church that claims they believe in Jesus can have a black conference and a white conference? And I lie to you not, 
I remember being at school. I remember some officials from our black conferences coming to me and saying, not just to me, but to a whole lot of us. Well, if we let those brethren, the white brethren, be in charge of us, we won't get anything. Listen to me. We're not going to heaven like that. We must put aside our differences, whether they be black, white, Chinese, Korean, Asian, and there's much more. Is that right? We put it aside. We put, when we say put it aside, what did Brother Lemon say? Put it away. And the main thing that causes separation is sin. Is that right? It's sin that causes separation. It's sin that brings heartache into the home. It's selfishness and pride that causes pain in the family's friends. In these last days, there must be unity or there will be no latter rain. It will be falling all around and nobody will know that it's falling. But wait, I told you there are three anointing. Is that right? Now, I want you to go now to the book of Daniel. As you go to the book of Daniel, you just look right here on the screen. There's Acts of the Apostles 36 and 37. I listed 10 things that the apostles did to put aside or put away differences. Number one is that they humbled their hearts in true repentance. They confessed their unbelief. They called to remembrance the words of Christ. They repeated the words of Christ to each other. Reproached themselves for not understanding. Meditated on the pure, holy life of Christ and desired to be like him. They accepted Christ's forgiveness and purpose in their heart to atone for their unbelief by preaching the gospel. They prayed for fitness to meet men and lead them to Christ. They put away all differences and all desire for what? Supremacy. They came close together in Christian fellowship. And there was deep heart searching. I tell you what, if we follow this recipe, if we, if we voted on this as a conference, listen to me. Why don't we vote on this? Vote this into the conference. If we do this, then Jesus can come. Our agendas, our personal agendas, our, our political statements will do nothing to assure and bring the second coming of Jesus. We must press together in unity. We must press together in unity around the truth, friends, around the truth. Now, again, 8031, pay attention. Jesus ascends to heaven. When he goes to heaven, he's anointed as our high priest. He goes in, as, in the holy face, begins his high priestly work, and his work produces 3,000 souls in one day. One day, 3,000 souls. And let's not brag as a, as a, as a church. Listen to me. Let's not get up and lie to ourselves as if we have 18 million members in the world and then we say we're baptizing 3,000 people every day. No, that doesn't make sense, friends. This is, this, is, this, 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 this is power. What we're doing right now is simply mathematical number evangelism. Listen to me. We are not finishing the work by doing more work. The work that we must do with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our souls is to get sin out of our lives. That's the work. 
And when this work is done properly, God says, I will give a man power to stand on a mountaintop and preach the gospel. And everybody in the vicinity of 12,000 miles will be able to hear that man preach. You don't need many people. He just needs one. He doesn't need many. He just needs one to fully consecrate themselves to God. Remove sin from the life. Allow Jesus and the power of the gospel to make a difference. I'm going to pass this. I want you to go, to go with me now to Daniel 7, please. We're about to wrap this up. In Daniel 7, the Bible tells us, we read it already, but I want you to take note of it. In Daniel 7, beginning at verse 13, notice here what the Bible says. And I saw in, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Please keep your finger here. Go to Revelation 14 with me, please. And before we get to 14, I want you to go to Revelation 12, verse 17 first. Watch carefully what we're going to do, and we're going to wrap this up. And remember, our topic is family reunion. Revelation 12, verse 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the what? Don't forget, we talked about her. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the what? Now, again, it didn't say that the seed was the remnant. Are you paying attention? It said it goes to make war with the remnant of her. Now, who's the seed? The seed is Jesus. Wait. Walk with me now, friends. It goes to make war with the remnant of her seed. The remnant of her seed. The seed itself is Jesus. The remnant are the. Hold on. Before I go there. Go to first John, please. Listen to me. Watch this. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Watch carefully. Verse one says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the what? The sons of God, the children of God. Sounds like family to me. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall see him. When he shall appear, we shall be what? We shall be what? Like him. Now, there's a law in the book of Genesis, and I'm not going to read it, but the seed is supposed to bear after its kind. So I can't plant an apricot tree and get a strawberry tree. Is it, does the strawberry have trees? Exactly. I, I, I can't plant an apple tree and get an orange tree. If I plant an apple seed, then I should get an apple what? So if I'm planting a seed, the seed being who? If Jesus is the seed and the seed dies, then the fruit should be after his. Are you listening to me? So the 
dragon goes to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now, I had understood this more and more as I'm out in the garden. And by God's grace, the Lord has blessed us with a master gardener. So I was outside in class in the second book of inspiration. And I vowed to myself not to miss that book anymore. Amen. So I was out there in that class and I'm talking to my, my instructor um, there and I'm asking him questions. And he's giving me answers. And I and I, I told him I bought these these seeds called heirloom seeds. I don't know if you know what heirloom seeds are. They're not Monsanto seeds. They're heirloom seeds. So I got these heirloom seeds. And, you know, I understand that when you plant an heirloom seed, you're supposed to be able to get seed from the heirloom seed. So it's supposed to be able to produce seed, and then you're supposed to be able to use the seed again when you plant another harvest. So I, again, I don't know anything about gardening, so I'm asking my, my master gardener, what, what's supposed to happen? And he says to me, well, Brother Andre, now he didn't know that he was about to unlock my brain cells. He said, Brother Andre, he said, what has to happen is, and we're, we're, we're plucking green beans, that's what we were plucking at the time, and I'm plucking these green beans, and I'm saying, well, these are heirlooms, I thought we were supposed to get seed. He says, this is what has to happen. The green bean, when you pluck it, you have to leave it out. Listen, you have to leave it out. It has to dry up and die. And then the Lord told me something. He said, Andre, do you know why it dries up and becomes hard? You know why it becomes hard? Because it protects what the insides contain. Listen to me. When Jesus came on this earth, he lived an absolutely perfect life. He died. He sealed up what the character of the sons of God would look like. He sealed it. So when he dies and he goes into the ground, what's supposed to come up? Seed after its. Behold. What, look, go back, go back, go back to First John. Go look, look, look at it, look at it again. Verse, verse 1, First uh, John 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of what? Ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whoever abideth in him, let me read it again, whoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now listen, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Let me say it a different way. My little children, let no man deceive you. If that seed is in you, you will do what that seed does. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Watch this, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Why? For his seed. You hearing it? For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of who? So the dragon goes to make war with the remnant of her seed. So what, what, what is he trying to do? What is he trying to, He's going to stop the rain. 
You see, if it rains on the seed, then the seed is going to produce and it's going to look just like Jesus. Jesus is in his last phase, and he wants to sit in the ring. Do you hear me? Jesus wants to sit in the ring. My, told you I was going to tell you a story. And I said this story in respect to my parents. My mom and dad... Uh, good people. I want you to know there, there are no good people going to heaven. Only saved people are going to heaven. So mom and dad, good people. We would go to church and we were like the Cosby family. Everybody thought we were good people. No one at church knew that my mom and dad argued. No one knew that they would constantly be at each other. No one knew it. Dad's a good preacher. My mom can even preach. No one knew. I remember being away at school. My little sister calls me and says, um, Andre, you know, mom chased dad out the house. That never happened before. So I, I try to call around, figure out where my mom is, finally get her on the phone. And I'm 18 years old at this time. my mom mom what's going on she said your dad this your dad this your dad this your dad this and your dad did this I said yeah mom I hear you said what about you did you do anything mom's a tender hearted woman I said mother I said um if God brought the family back together, would you allow God to bring the family back together? Well, she said, well, son, if God does it, no problem. I hang up the phone, start calling around to figure out where my dad was. He's at some family member's house. And I start talking to him. Now, you have to understand, my dad has a master's degree in divinity. He has a master's degree in education. He has a bachelor's degree in religion. He has a bachelor's degree in English. He's educated. Talking to my dad. Dad. And my dad goes on to say, your mom this. And your mom this, and your mom this, and your mom this, and your mom this. I said, but dad, did you, did you do anything? I said, dad, if, if God brought the family back together, would you allow God to bring the family back together? He says, um, your mom this and your mom this. I said, Dad, I didn't ask you all that, man. I just asked you, if God brought the family back together, would you allow God to bring the family back together? He said, well, only if God does it. Hung with the phone. 
And that night, I cried myself to sleep. 18-year-old man. I cried myself to sleep in a fetal position. Got up the next day and I went to church. Are you listening to me? Everybody at church dressed in nice suits. Me too. The pastor called for special prayer. And I went down to the front. And I got on my knees. And again, you have to understand, I was not a preacher. I was a physical therapy major. I didn't want anything to do with preaching. And I'm on my knees. I remember like it was yesterday. I'm there on my knees and I'm crying uncontrollably. I can't stop crying. The tears won't stop. They just keep coming and coming and coming and I can't stop crying. And I say to the Lord, I'm on my knees and I say to the Lord, Lord, look, either you have to do one or two things. You either have to bring my family back together or you have to give me what the Bible says is peace that passes all understanding. And as I'm praying the prayer, as sure as I tell you the truth, it was as if a hand came from heaven and touched my shoulder. But it didn't stop at my shoulder. It went right to my heart. And the tears that were on my face were not dry by any human hand. There's this peace, I'm telling you, this is not a game. I'm asking you, is the spirit in you or is he just around you? There was this peace that passed all understanding. I was at peace in the midst of the greatest storm of my life. I was at peace. Heaven came near to me. Heaven came near to me. I got up from my knees with full assurance that everything was going to be fine. I didn't know what everything meant. I just knew God had him in control. I'm here to testify to you today. My mom and dad are together. Did you hear me? I know there's a God. Not because he part of the Red Sea. Not simply because of Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. I know there's a God. Because when my family was about to destroy, when my home was completely in chaos, the God of the universe said, I'm going to step down. I'm going to do for that family what it can't do for itself. Friends, how many want you, how many of you want Jesus to do for your families what it can't do for itself? God sees your hands. Jesus is gone. Listen to me carefully. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, has gone into the most holy place to reclaim his family 
Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, has gone into the most holy place. And he's, all he's asking us to do is, let me pour rain upon your seed. Let me bring to fruition what you naturally don't have of yourself. Let me do it. I can give you a sweet tongue. I can give you a tender heart. I can give you patience. I can give you long suffering. Why? Because he did it in himself. He sealed it in his death and he puts that seed in you. This is a consecration service. Here's my appeal. If you want Jesus to be king over your home, just come down to the front. We're going to pray. Now, when we do this, I want you to understand, it's like the men of Judah. It's like the men of Israel coming before David and saying, Lord, David, be our king. Be ruler in our lives. Be ruler in our homes. every eyes closed in the quietness of this moment surrender your authority to the authority of Jesus in the quietness of this moment our father the men and women of, of the tribe of the Adventists turning our hearts back to you surrendering our rights to your authority surrendering our children to you surrendering our spouses to you Surrendering our homes to you. Save us, Lord. Save us. The enemy is encroaching in our homes. Save us, Father. Save us, Father. Please, Lord. We want to be saved. We want our children saved. We turn our hearts back to you. There's nowhere else to go. 
Put your seed within us. Pour out your spirit within us. Teach us as husbands to be the men you designed us to be. Teach us as young men to be the priests that you've designed us to be. Teach us as mothers to be the mothers we are to be. Teach us as young ladies to be the women that we should be. Teach us as children to be obedient, Father. Forgive us for we have not done what we are supposed to do. We have been bad examples to our children. Oh, Lord. Save our families. You are here with us. hearing our prayers and answering them in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you leave this place, remember what I asked you to do. When you walk through the threshold of your door, consecrate your home, your heart, your mind to God. And ask him to give you wisdom that is beyond your years to do right by your family. And he will do it for you. God bless you.